Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, it's Clark. Before we get into today's podcast, I wanted to give you a heads up that producers Kim and Joel are on vacation this week. And so we are going back to our old format of you hearing calls instead of Kim and Joel asking the questions that you have posted for us for the show. So as soon as they're back, we'll go back to Kim and Joel being the ones asking questions you post at clark.com slash ask. And I want to give you an update on a source of many, many questions we have had posted at clark.com slash ask lately. So people have wanted to know with so many disruptions in the workplace and our normal course of life, if we are able to make changes in benefit selections that normally are completely irrevocable once you've made them. If you've ever gone through an open enrollment period in an employer, one of the things you have to acknowledge before you click for your benefits is that you acknowledge that these selections cannot be changed and that they stay in place for the entire next calendar year. Well, that is true, except now. The IRS has issued new guidance to employers that allows workers to make adjustments to even your health insurance during the year. So now you're able to change your health plan. You can drop out of the health insurance plan your employer has if you can verify you have another option or if you were in a position where having health care at your employer is at your choice, you can change and add health care where you didn't have it. You may have decided, hey, I don't want to have employer-provided health coverage. It's too expensive. I'm not going to sign up for it. And now you're like, well, maybe I could really use it for the rest of this year. The IRS is letting employers do that and not waiting till annual enrollment period, generally in the fall. So you could sign up in theory now for a benefit you turned your back on last fall. Now, let me explain this. Employers have the choice to do this. They don't want to, if they don't want to, they don't have to do any of these things. Why would an employer let you down right now? Because for many employers, there's a cost involved and they don't want to spend the money on the expenses they would have in putting through these administrative changes. So even though it's now legal for 2020 for an employer to allow this, it doesn't mean that they're actually going to. Now, the weird thing is that 
their employers that were asking for this and others that aren't going to permit it. In addition, there was a change done where if an employee is furloughed, which has become a very end term through the coronavirus pandemic, instead of laid off, an employer is allowed to either keep you on benefits or allow you to drop them for the portion you'd have to pay and add them back later. It's an amazing series of changes, but again, your employer's got to play for you to be able to participate. Doug is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Doug. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate all the stuff that you do. Thank you, anyway, Doug. I'm looking. You're welcome. And I'm looking at um, what I should do when I rent the car. My own auto insurance, I do not have collision coverage, but I do have li- liability. And um, and does that liability I, I, does that liability move with you when you're in a rental car? Do they cover you for liability with your? Yes, I uh, believe it. I believe it does. Okay, make certain of that because that would be a wide exposure if your insurer doesn't cover you for temporary use of a rental car for liability. Okay. Now my question is: the credit cards that I use, they you know offer some coverage for uh, insurance on rental cars, but I'm just wondering if they would cover collision coverage on that rental car. Yeah, so what happens is that most credit cards, there are a few exceptions that do what's called primary, but most credit cards offer what's known as secondary. You would first manage a claim with your own automobile insurer for the damage to a rental car, and then whatever exposure out of pocket you have the credit card steps in. In a case where you have liability only on your own vehicle, then the secondary coverage of a credit card becomes primary. And so they're the ones that end up having to pay to repair the vehicle. Now what tends to happen if you have physical damage to a car rental is the car rental company will first bill some amount of money to your credit card And then the credit card company works with you and them to process handling that claim for you. Oh, okay. But it's messy. I'm not going to pretend it's not messy. There is a period of time that usually will be somewhere 6 to 12 weeks that you're kind of in, um, I guess you'd call it purgatory, where, where you're not okay, but you're not in terrible shape, while... It takes time for the car rental agency and the credit card company claims department to process your coverage under the credit card. You know, my first question then would be, what happens if my the limit on my credit card doesn't even get close to the charge the rental company puts on it? Well, the in that case, the car rental agency is the one that's left holding the bag for a while. Okay. So the good news, and let me ask you this, uh, how long have you been a driver? Since I was 16, and I'm 61 now, so a long time. Right, so in 45 years, how many wrecks have you had? Three or four. Okay, so think about that. That's one every, let's just say, every 15 years. Yep. All right, so odds are when you rent that car, nothing's going to go wrong, but I love that you're thinking through what would happen and what hassle you'd have if it does happen. 
So yeah, you're, that, you're that thinking about this with a big bill that I can't cover. Sure. But that's why having the secondary coverage with the card is the right thing to do. Okay. So I should uh, feel okay that the coverage from the card will, will take care of me. Yeah. I mean, feel good that it'll take care of you. Yes. After the awkward period. <laughs> okay. It will. It will. And that's why the car rental agency counter people, many of them are commissioned for terrifying you and say, oh, you don't want to involve your credit card. It's a mess. It's terrible. But it is a little bit messy. But usually, financially, it's not going to be messy in the long term once it's settled. But in the intermediate term, yeah, it can be a hassle. Mindy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mindy. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you, Mindy. You have a question for me as an entrepreneur. What kind of business do you engage in as an entrepreneur? Uh, I do inspections and evaluations for businesses. Well, great. So um, I am just switching to that full time. So I'm looking to get my self-employed retirement plan set up. And I always hear you recommend the SEP IRA. But the Vanguard rep I spoke to suggested their individual 401k over that. Yeah, the solo solo or self-employed 401k. Yes. Uh huh. I I love the solo or self-employed 401k. It has more paperwork involved with it, and Mm -hmm. Vanguard will handle the lion's share of that paperwork, but there's more involved. So I usually talk about the SEP to try to get somebody going because the SEP requires about 90 seconds of paperwork one time, and then you have a very simple program to save for retirement, but you have much more flexibility as a one-person company with the self-employed or solo 401k. Well, great. Well, I wanted to get your I, opinion on which plan to choose first. And I, I am okay. going to meet with a financial advisor about doing my rollovers and everything. So I'm reading right now on the IRS website, and it has a section in it, contribution limits and a one participant 401k plan. And that is mm-hmm. what you would be. And so, okay. and then there is this second contribution you can do for self-employed and then they have a formula that lays out giving examples on what you're allowed to contribute and how much it can be as a self-employed 401k okay great thank you so much and so if you go to Mm irs.gov and do in the search box one participant 401k plans They'll mm-hmm. show you the different examples about what the maximum is you can actually pop into this. Well, that would be very helpful. You said you're going to go see a financial advisor. Are you going to see a fee-only person? or are you? Yes, I found him through the Garrett Planning Network that you recommended. Perfect. All right. <laughs> well, you have things all buttoned up. Oh, you've been very helpful. Thank you. Have a great day and good luck with your business. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Jason joins us. Hello, Jason. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show. How are things going? Hey, very good, Clark. Thank you. So you have a question for me about saving money on your utility bills every month. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I just had done a home energy audit, and one of the guys looked at everything, and you know, I just had a question on what where the best spot to go was on that, and uh, they, you know, they gave me a price as well. I'm just curious. I wanted to sanity check myself, make sure I'm not out in the left field here. 
So what was their number one recommendation that you do to your home? So their number one recommendation was to put in a radiant barrier system up in the attic to keep it cooler. Uh, but they were also looking at patching up all the, the plenum piping up chimney balloons and a tent for the stairs up into the attic and what have you, all that. Okay, so doing the modern insulation in the attic, absolutely. That by itself, that plus the tent over the pull-down stairs, that potentially could reduce your consumption for heating and cooling by up to 30%. Okay, wow. Is that kind of the number they gave you? Yeah, they were saying they pretty much guaranteed 25%, but they've seen upwards of 40 to 45%. I've not seen that much, but I'd say 25 as a minimum, yes. Okay. So you named a couple other things. Take me in order. What was like the next thing they said? Then I think it was a chimney balloons. I'm not familiar with that product. Yeah, I guess it builds up in the flue and just creates a, a gap so the air can't come in and out. Hmm. They, I'm going to check on that a, myself. Yeah, they, they said they had a hard number of each chimney. They, it's about $350 a year, they say, in just wasted energy. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, now you've taught me something I'm going to look at. Well, like I said, they, they threw a lot of stuff out there, so I wasn't sure how much was just their salesmanship. What else out. did they suggest? They were going to put on, for all the outlet coverings, insulate all of those, saying that basically they add up to a full door size. Yeah, opening. that's really uh, cheap to do and is very helpful. Okay. Well, and then, they, you know, they threw out a price based on if it was, a, I think, 25% payback. It'd be about a three-year ROI on that. So, I mean, it sounds like they're pretty accurate on based on what you're saying, though. And I think that's very possible. There's a nice briefing at energystar.gov. You can read about what gives you the greatest bang for the buck. And the things that they're talking about, other than the one I'm clueless about, the chimney balloon, they all make perfect sense as something that will have a great payback and save you real money year after year moving forward. You get them done, and all they do is save you money. Randy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Randy. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Randy. What's going on with you? Well, first, I want to thank you for taking my call. I listen to your show every chance I get, so I feel it's a privilege to be talking to you. Well, it's a privilege for me to have you here, Randy. And you have something that's got you worried. Uh, you want to run by me. Tell me. Well, I know you have some rental properties. I've heard that on your uh, on your show. And I need... Well, I need to uh, do a background check, and also I, I would like to, if there is some way that I can do a credit check, and it's not going to cost anything. I've checked, and they all, everyone wants your credit card number, and I don't want to give it to them. Yeah, so let me tell you the drill on this. The, normally, the prospective tenant is the one who pays. So okay. when you do a, a rental application, you have to get the tenant's permission to run his or her credit or run a background check. Okay. So you have to be specific in your rental app that you are seeking their signature, their written permission for you to run either a credit check or a background check, including criminal or both. Okay. And whatever it costs you, normally that's what you would charge the prospective tenant for doing it. And anybody who's ever been a tenant knows that you pay a rental application fee and what they do normally is they do run background on you. So in theory, it should not cost you. Okay. Now, I've got a couple of sources 
that I would recommend to you that you check out to do this. Mm-hmm. One of them is mysmartmove.com. Okay. And with it, the applicant would normally pay. And another is Cozy, C-O-Z-Y, and it's .dot .co, not .dot .com. Have you been there yet? No, no. So it's set up as a whole suite of things for you as a landlord, including a process to help you collect your rent more easily. Mm-hmm. And if you just want to kind of check somebody out without it being like an official kind of thing, there's a site that has been popular for a number of reasons. People who might be going out on a blind date or whatever, just whatever it is that people want to check background on people called pq.com, P-W-E-K-Y-O-U.com. Okay. But again, before you do any backgrounding on a tenant, make sure you have written permission, because otherwise you could get in a heap of trouble. Well, I appreciate that information, Clark. I'll make sure I follow your, uh, your suggestions. And you will, um, if you're like most people who are landlords, you will love being a landlord. Occasionally people get into it and they think, what was I thinking? I hate this, but I love doing it. Great. Good luck. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anybody rip you off. And I want to talk about a ripoff straight ahead. Our websites, they're not the ripoff, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com, where what we're devoted to is giving you information that you can trust to make good decisions with your wallet with Clark.com. And with ClarkDeals.com, making sure you're up to the minute on bargains, deals, things you're interested in. One area that there's been massive interest in is our Made in America briefing that we have for you. If you specifically want to spend the dollars you've got on things that are made in the United States, we've got that for you. Now, I want to talk about something that is a terrible, terrible problem right now, and that is scamsters using our vulnerability from the dislocations in our lives and the anxiety we feel to rip us off every possible way. And the the federal agencies are hearing endless numbers of things about massive increases in scams and the number one thing you need to know right now is how many people are receiving false communications by text, email, or voicemail pretending to be from the federal government or from a bank concerning something to do with either one of the stimulus laws or relief you were expecting of some kind and know that a survey just in shows that 40%, 40% of Americans now say that they have been targeted by frauds and scams just in the last few weeks. And so know that this is an area where you've got to be absolutely on your guard. If you receive any communication alleging to be from 
your bank, credit union, uh, brokerage house, mutual fund company saying you need to update something or verify something, anything like that. Do not, under any circumstances, call a phone number listed in that communication or click on a link in that. Because if you do, odds are you've got serious, serious problems coming next. Because it's possible it's a legitimate communication from a bank or someone like that. But the odds right now are overwhelming that it's not a legit one. So what would you do? So if you get something saying there's a problem with your credit card or we need to talk to you about your account of whatever, you look up the bank's number or credit union or whoever on their website or on a statement you have and you call a number that you know is theirs. Just because somebody lists a toll-free number doesn't mean it's a legitimate toll-free number. Second, you never click on that hyperlink. If there's some reason that you may really need to communicate with a financial institution, go to their website, sign into your account on that website, and then you will be able to see if there is something you need to take action on. But do not under any circumstances click on any link at all now let's talk about the government so people are also getting a lot of fake emails from people pretending to be with the irs or other federal agencies right now there's always been a problem it's a much higher risk right now that that's going to happen somebody calls you pretends to be from a government agency. Say that, um, I'm sorry you don't take calls this way because you don't know that they really are who they they are, and you'll hear click before you can even hang up the phone. Think this through. Remember, if somebody's calling you unsolicited, odds are they're a crook. Lonnie is with us. Hi, Lonnie. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Lonnie. Hope everything's great in your world. Uh, it's pretty good, yes. I'm just very privileged to be talking to you. I think a lot of you. Well, you're kind to say that. How can I serve you? Well, let's see. About eight years ago, my oldest daughter got married, and I took out a unsecured loan from uh, one of the mega banks. In the meantime, I uh, subsequently have paid that off, and because of your advice, we got out of the mega bank altogether and are with the credit union now. I've had a zero balance on the unsecured uh, loan for a while, a long time. And I just got to thinking, is you treat that the same way that you do the, the second credit card? You mean, would it be a good idea for you to leave that open rather than close that line? Yes. Yes, with one exception. If okay. you were going to be buying a new home, okay. the mortgage underwriters get really nervous about those lines of credit sure. being open. But other than applying for a mortgage, having that line of credit there will be valuable to you in your overall credit scoring mix. Okay. There's no fee for you having it, is there? No, no fee. So you can just let it sit there 
and at some point the bank may say hey use this or lose it okay at that point lose it okay but until I, that time i, I would just I leave it be okay i don't need to use it twice a year like a second credit card <sighs> well for it to remain active in your mix it will show in your history and i think you're fine with the line of credit just sitting there okay i i may read something later that i'm like oops i should have told you to use it but i don't think it has the urgency that it would with a credit card okay so well that's great news you like your son-in-law oh yeah i love him okay great, great. and i have a eight-year-old grandson and i have a five-year-old granddaughter oh that's fantastic isn't it yeah well have a great day and i'm so glad the wedding's all paid for Lori's with us. Lori, I'd like to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. What's going on with your daughter? Well, I have an almost 18-year-old who will be going to college, and just through savings and graduation money, she probably has around $4,000 that is just sitting in a savings account. And I just didn't know know, what advice you would have as to where I could put that money to make the most bang for her buck. And it's money she's going to use over the next couple of years? No. No, she will not use it. it oh. She probably won't need this for five, at least five years. Five years. At okay. least five or more. Mm-hmm. All right. And does she work part-time? No, she does not. So it's just money, money sitting there. Just money. Mm-hmm. There's not an easy answer. Uh, there's okay. not something I can say, oh, automatically do this okay. when it's uh, a window of maybe five years. Because that puts you more in the category of a saver earning piddly rates than an investor because the risk in a time period up to five years is you could lose money rather than keep that 4000 as 4000 How many years then? There's I would say years? seven or more is when you can feel steadily more comfortable about being an investor instead of okay. being a saver. Okay. Well, what would you recommend? I mean, I just know that... I'll I'll tell you, simple simple as could be, that the best place, I would say, is the total stock market index fund or a 500 stock index fund where it's just simply invested in the stock market. Okay. And the longer the investment window becomes, the easier choice that is. And the costs on those, if you go with one of the low-cost providers, is like nothing to invest okay. in that kind of thing. And I don't know if you've seen, I've got my investment guide at Clark.com. Okay. Uh-huh. If you go look at it, I'll walk you through with some of the choices there, those very, very inexpensive index funds. And I'd want her to do it. She's 18. Have her open the account so she feels some ownership of it and starts to understand what she's invested in, how it works. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. David? Hello, Clark. How are you? Good. You have one of those good-bad problems, or a bad-good problem, whichever way Uh, you'd like to describe it. Yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, good and bad and mostly good. Um, I'm also one of those educators with a 403B that in the last few weeks I've learned from you that they're not the, the greatest thing to have. So I would love a Roth, but as you know... Between my wife and I, we make too much money for a Roth. So my question is, what can we do? Okay, so on the 403B, I'd like you to dig in 
particularly in your situation where you're income ineligible for the Roth, to make sure that the 403B that you're offered does not offer you any low-cost options. And how would I know what a low-cost option on a 403B is? So they have to disclose to you, but insurance companies comply as minimally as they can with the law. They have to disclose to you what fees you're paying for the account, what fees you're paying for the actual fund investments you're in, and then what administrative fees you're required to pay as well. And is your plan administered by your place of work? No, it's administered by a third party. By a third party. All right. So the third party needs to disclose to you, and I would like for you to call them at the number supplied to you in your plan statements and ask the question, how do I find out all expenses that I'm paying having my 403B with you. That would be great. And if they don't disclose to you, call your state insurance department, and they will compel them to disclose it to you. That's great. Uh, I have one Oh, but let me tell you what would be a good expense. You want your total expense to be including the junk fees for administering it and on the funds themselves to be no higher than... 0.70 0.70 of 1%, 7 tenths of 1%, okay. which is much higher than I'd say to somebody with, let's say, a big company 401k. But I've got to add a little extra in there on the crummy 403b plans. But most okay. people in a 403b plan may be paying total expenses of 2, 3, or 4%, which means wow. that in a lot of years, your account except for what you've contributed to it, will be worth less at the end of the year than it was at the beginning. Very well. Thank you. Sure. Now, what you can do, since you're not Roth eligible, correct, is you can do something called a non-deductible IRA. Okay. And it is what's referred to as a backdoor Roth. Yeah. And, and you contribute to the non-deductible IRA and then immediately reclassify the money into a Roth. So you can, by doing one additional step, you can avoid the income limit that restricts you from doing a Roth. And then would that be post-tax or would that pre-tax? Yeah, it's all post-tax. You do non-deductible IRA post-tax, you convert it to Roth uh, post-tax. And the one thing, you can't have money sitting in a traditional IRA and do this conversion I'm talking about. So that would prevent you from doing the non-deductible IRA. The one other thing you can do is you can open in a traditional investment account, like with a discount broker or uh, Vanguard or something like that, and put your money in index funds only, like a total stock market fund or something like that. The tax treatment is so favorable on doing that that it's not as good as a tax-free thing like a Roth, but it's likely the next best thing. Ed is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ed. How are you? Hi, Clark. Uh, So good to talk with you. Well, great having you here. You have a question for me that has grown mightily in interest in the last two years. What's the scoop? Well, absolutely. Uh, You know, when you, I often want to repay a friend or a relative when we go out to dinner or 
maybe for a gift that we're splitting the cost on, or I just want to send money to someone. But the problem is I don't have the correct change. I don't have my checkbook or the person may not even live close by and it's a hassle to mail it. Or they hate cash. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess my question is, do you have a suggestion for a service or an app that's safe, secure, convenient, easy to use by both parties, and hopefully does not charge a fee? Okay, so there are three that are really prominent in the marketplace. The most well-known is Venmo, V-E-N-M-O. Okay, Venmo. And if you use Venmo, use it to send money to a friend only. There are some con artists uh, popping up on Craigslist, eBay, that are trying to get people to pay them over Venmo. But the problem is if you pay an unknown entity on Venmo, and let's say they never supply you with the merchandise, or it turned out there was no merchandise at all, you have no way to get your money back. This is only a method of being able to pay friends or family free with Venmo as the biggest. Venmo is now owned by PayPal that also has its own payment platform that if you already have a PayPal account, it's called PayPal Personal, which is okay. not a very exciting name, but it's set up for you for free to send money to friends and family. Got it. And then the third one is, you ever heard of Square, which is an app that a lot of businesses use to take credit cards? Absolutely. So Square has their own called the Cash App, which you just go to cash.app and you'll see it. And they all work the same way. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Perfect. And I want to tell you there's a fourth one that I get questions about called Zelle, Z-E-L-L-E. And Zelle is owned by the banks. And banks and credit unions together push Zelle. But Zelle has had horrific problems with people losing money, having their money taken. And the banks just shrug their shoulders and say, tough on you. Our terms of service say everything is tough on you. So I strongly (laughs) advise people against using Zelle till Zelle establishes meaningful consumer protections for the public. Excellent. That's very good information. I'll give them the shot. All right. You have a great day. And if you are paying money to people that are in their teens and 20s and 30s, they're overwhelmingly the market share has moved to Venmo. That's where I'd set up an account. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.